Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, June 2nd. We are here live. This first hour is a true free-for-all today. No hosts, no co-hosts. No, there's a host here. I'm, I did show up for work this morning. No co-hosts, no guests, no themes. Totally up to you. Just you and I and what you want to talk about today. So jump in and start dialing right now. Phone lines are open. 855-950-3835. Second hour today at 9.15, we will jump over to Twitter Spaces. As a listener, it doesn't really matter. You'll still hear us on the live stream in the app, just like you always do. It just allows me to get in more guests. And um, Fridays, we're really going to start focusing on truck efficiency. You know, Fridays, we get a little crazy. We have a little fun. Uh, we could still do that some, but we've got um, we've got a lot of things we could be talking about. Truck efficiency uh, spaces allows us to get in more guests and more conversation. So we'll be doing that today. Come on over and join us for that. I am going to talk about AI on my open today. Not a lot. In fact, I'll only talk about it till calls come in. So if you want to shut me up, just call. This may be the last time I do an open on AI. Now, like every other topic, when it's a free-for-all, if a caller wants to talk about AI, we will. I will probably, I'm not going to commit completely, um, but you won't hear a whole lot of AI in my opens because it's a big enough topic. I'm going to add another hour. This might be the last hour I can add to my schedule right now, but I'm going to add a Twitter space. It's a better place to do this anyway. I would like to start attracting more people that understand AI, and that would be much, much easier to do uh, on a Twitter space. I say it's an hour. I need to probably try to keep it to that, especially in the beginning. And um, I'll, I'll just do a, all of the updates and everything I want to talk about AI. I'll do it on that show. That way, if you don't want to hear it, it won't be talked about nearly as much other than if somebody wants to talk about it in a free-for-all, but that's always the case. So if you're already tired of AI, and I got to tell you, some of... Um, some of the feedback I have is from really, really long time loyal listeners, and they, they just really don't want to hear about it, which is fine. We'll, we'll take it off into its own show then. Hopefully we don't get another topic like this anytime soon because I'm running out of hours. Uh, we'll continue to work on um, the schedule as well. We're, we're starting to get it nailed down, starting to work out some of the issues with, um, with uh, Twitter spaces. Every mistake so far on Twitter space has been operator error. It's been my, my problem. Um, one day I clicked out of the space, not realizing it. My laptop was sitting there and that's what's broadcasting the space to our app. And I wasn't thinking, and I just looked over at my laptop and clicked on it to look something up. I didn't realize it turned off the stream until somebody texted me and then it was too late to fix it. Uh, yesterday, we went so long that my laptop battery died. I wasn't paying attention because usually I just leave it sitting there and it goes to sleep, but I know it's still broadcasting. I didn't realize it wasn't sleeping anymore. It died. Uh, so there was you, you may have been listening to the Twitter space and all of a sudden it just goes silent. 
That's been operator error on my side. Um, making sure I record them. That's still, uh, I got to make sure that happens and we have a recording backup, but we're getting there. Uh, Aaron and I had a good meeting yesterday about uh, the broadcast app going forward. As much as, you know, I know there are people that don't want to hear this. AI just changed everything so much that we're committing a bunch of time with the programmers to just kind of reimagine our whole business, not not change what we do. We uh, Our mission will always be the same. And, and our mission really is to help drivers and owner operators live their best life. That, that's my elevator pitch. It always gets people to ask, well, how do you do that? What do you do? It's a great elevator pitch. Uh, that's not going to change, but you can't ignore that AI is going to revolutionize almost everything, especially in the digital world, which is, you know, where we create a lot of our stuff. Uh, To ignore it right now would just be business suicide, I believe. I, I don't think anybody's safe. I think we're fairly safe just because our information and products and everything we do is so specialized, but I'm not gonna sit back and just assume. Um, so we'll uh, continue to talk about that, but we are going to move it to its own show and you will hear a lot less of it here in the free-for-alls and the other shows. For the most part, it will be talked about only if a caller asks about it. I'll do all of the AI stuff on that show. Let's uh, let's get to the phones. I said as soon as somebody called, I would stop blabbing about AI. So let's go to Alabama. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, congratulating you. I don't remember which day you said, Tuesday or Wednesday, that you've been listening to much less news. You don't even watch the news at all. And so congratulations. Yeah, I, it, it reflects in the way you talk about things. I, <laughs> You know, I was kind of wondering. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if anybody noticed because I I can see a difference in my optimism. I'm not, you know, constantly talking about bad news at the open. And, I, you know, I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and not know what's going on. But it is pretty easy these days to do a quick review once a week and not get too far behind on things. So I'm happier. I feel like I'm more productive. I feel like I'm bringing more value to the tribe. You know, my mindset was I have to stay up on this because if somebody asks me a question about a current event, I better know it's going. Yeah, I don't care about that much. Somebody asked me about a current event, I'll just say, hell, I don't know. I didn't even see it. Um, oh, I know what I was going to talk since I opened with AI. I posted this morning. <sighs> Lisa was having trouble sleeping last night. And at some point, she must have turned on the news on her iPad. And then when I woke up this morning, I could kind of barely hear it in the background. And I was like almost five. And I was trying to decide if I should get up or not. And the story I heard was, and this is real, the Air Force is already trying to downplay it, but... They were running a simulation with an AI-powered drone, and it got down to the point where the drone operator had to either tell the drone to make the strike or not. And when it told the drone not to make the strike, in the simulation, the drone turned on the operator and killed him. (laughs) 
You know, there are a lot of movies made about this. I know. And, you know, we expected this, but I did not expect it this fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the the big worry everybody has about this technology. It could could kill us. Outside of its programming, that, yeah, I believe, you know, it's been so many years that the Terminator movies, and the original reason was, you know, the, the robots were programmed so that they could never do harm to humans or something about protecting the human race. Right. So the computer ended up deciding the best way to protect the human race was to eliminate them. Or, you know, the majority of them or however it was that our overpopulation was the, was the biggest threat to humans and yeah. started eliminating them. Well, and now we find out that that may be totally wrong, that it's the opposite. Our biggest problem is not yeah, overpopulation, it's, it's underpopulation. No. no. And if and we think, of, you know, if we think about that, now I'm going back to the book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, where he claims all of our problems are going to happen because we're not producing enough babies in the world. And then the countries like China will really be in trouble, or the U.S., because our birth rate is way low. Uh, if, if that's the case, then AI could potentially be a huge part of that solution. I mean, it, in many jobs, AI can do the work of 10 people right now. With, with very, One person could do the work of 10 if they really understand how to use AI. And we're so early into this. It, this, this feels to me like... It's 1986, and I'm on a bulletin board with my computer, and, and that's that's the beginning of social media. And look at what social media has done. This is way bigger than that, but that's what I, where I feel like we are right now. Yeah, you should use 1984 as a better better year. Yeah, well, there you go. That, well, and also that's the year the Macintosh came out, so... Yeah, <laughs> and 1984. Yeah, and the, the <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh man. Well, it it is. It just took us what fifty years or forty years or yeah, forty, I guess. Um, yeah. So uh, it's look. There's a lot of hype everywhere. I, I'm you know kind of over the top on it right now because it is so overwhelming. Hopefully we'll get through the hype, we'll settle down, and we'll just start trying to figure out what's going to happen. But the the downsides are worrisome. There's just no doubt about it. Nope. So the main reason for my call is I, I congratulated you about not watching the news, so now i got to talk about a hot news topic and political topic. <laughs> All um, right. It, it, we talk about a lot in the trucking industry, and even yesterday, you mentioned on the Twitter feed uh, one of the topics of the 85. We need to start changing our terminology. We're no longer talking about AB5, which stands for Assembly Bill 5, which is a California Assembly Bill. The big issue today is what's called the PRO Act, which is in the federal government, and uh Mike Rowe had another guest on last week who talked about the PRO Act, because this is, you know, every industry. This isn't anything to do with trucking in general. Trucking got hit probably one of the hardest 
if, if this goes national, um, and of course, you know, micro is for basically independent contractors and small businesses and the trades, but even himself working in the uh, freelance of TV media and all that, they're under the same problem. He's not his own media company. Well, he is now, but a lot of his work, you know, he's done as an independent contractor and he hires people that are independent contractors to, to kind of work under him and help him out. And that's under threat. But in the pro act, the ABC test in the federal bill, they've actually changed some wording and it's worse than 85. The one he brought up that really stuck in my head is in the C part that now not only can you not be a subcontractor in the primary business of the people you are subcontracting to. So a person that has a true independent business, let's, uh, let's take a plumber. Okay. More common for every industry. This will make more sense. If you, at your age, you'd been a plumber your whole life, independent, you know, completely your own business. Right. And now at your age, you want to work part-time. Guess what? That's illegal. What? As an employee? Part part B is as as an independent business. What? I couldn't operate my business unless it was full-time? Yep. That's part of the part C now is it has to be. A full-time independent business open to all customers at any normal business hours. Oh, that is total bullshit. Is this China? Are you kidding me? (laughs) They're going to tell me how I can run my business or not? That it has... Unbelievable. That is awful. Absolutely awful. And how... And what, and what is the reasoning behind this? Why would we not want really experienced people running part-time businesses into their retirement? Yeah. And well, those well, are the people well, well, wait a minute. Say, you know, wait a minute. Retiring. So here we talk about this all the time. Let's not use plumbers. Let's use you, a carrier with their own authority. We thought having your own authority would get well, you away from this whole thing. But what if you decided you wanted to run what uh unbelievable. Yeah, or whenever, whenever. I might run 14 days straight, then I might take three months off. Who cares? It's my damn schedule. I'll run this business whenever and however the feel. The, oh, man, that would makes me crazy. <laughs> well, and I'm assuming this is probably an easy one to fight. Okay. Yeah, but we shouldn't have to. If you have a website, it's open 24-7, but you turn down work. You know, yeah, it, it's it's just the stupidity of, of government officials thinking they should be running our businesses. Exactly. This is, Oh man. (sighs) Yeah. We've, we've got to fight this stuff. So I mentioned yesterday and I can't say any names yet, but somebody I really respect the person I'm talking about. And this will be a negative for a lot of people. When I say this, Um, I I was really hoping that this would have happened. I don't think it would have changed much. Um, The person I'm talking about has been involved in like trucking associations over time. Several been involved with many of them. At one point, 
he was one of two people who was being looked at for president of the ATA. Um, again, I know for a lot of drivers and owner operators, anything to do with the ATA is all bad. That's not necessarily true. The ATA is a professional association that serves its members. Its members are big trucking companies. We may not like that, yep. but that that's no different than us having associations. It's the same thing. And our associations are not going to go lobby for bills that big carriers would like. That, that's not the point, but that doesn't make them evil. And I think this person would have been a great addition because they do have a different mindset. They've worked down at, you know, the smaller level a lot. And I'm excited that they're, they've got this group going. Um, I believe we'll probably have another call today because he just finished up something yesterday. Um, he may be even in the Pacific Northwest in a week or two. So this may move a little faster. Um, I, I explained what happened to that other group yesterday. That was kind of weird that it wasn't really a group. It's kind of a carrier with a lobbying effort. Um, this group is really, you know, doing what they can. And honestly, what they're saying right now, there's not a lot to do. They are going to be developing ambassadors, which will be owner operators, and they will train the owner operators to speak. Uh, It's a lot like the road team program. When I was on the Florida road team, we would go through speaker training and then we would just be available when they wanted to book us at an event. And the whole point there is we would go to events outside of the trucking industry and talk about the trucking industry in a positive way. So it's kind of that same model. Um, Right now, they say they're training the owner operators. They don't have a lot for them to go do yet, but they've raised some money. And all of the money right now goes to paying the owner operators $800 a day any day they're off the road for speaking or events, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, it's not, yeah. a, not a bad deal That's at all. Challenge. Yeah, right. It is. It's hard to take yeah. an owner operator off the road and say, hey, you're going to be three days, you know, some travel and then speaking. And they're also trying to keep any events as local as possible. So there isn't a lot of travel. Um, and that's, you know, that that's just the early grassroots start to, to try to fight this because it's not going away. It seems to be getting worse. Yeah. And I mean, this is why I avoid a lot of political stuff. I mean, I don't completely avoid it, but I don't seek it out in the news because it, it just pisses me off, too. And most of it. I just can't wrap my head around a why. I can't either. I mean, I, I get it. We're always going to have political arguments and different things, but like this last, you know, this, this part C of the full-time business, I don't see how that has anything to do with anything. I, exactly. Other than, I, I, other than control. The whole reason for the PRO Act is to, yeah, the whole reason for the PRO Act is to increase tax revenue. That's why the government's doing it. The only reason. Well, it's, well, you're, you're right. The, well, the unions are, are a big, big part of pushing for this because they don't want independent contractors. They want nice, docile employees that pay their dues and, and shut up most yep. of the time. That's really what the unions have become. Um, so they push hard for these kind of bills. 
You're right. If the government and the government does it because it's easier to collect taxes on employees than it is independent contractors. It's harder for employees to cheat anymore. It's easy for independent contractors to cheat. I get all that. So what? Deal with it. Enact a fair tax then and we won't even have to worry about it. Um, but don't don't destroy small business like this. We're going to end up with nothing but giant corporations that manage and control everything if this kind of stuff goes through. Well, see, and that's the the part that always blows my mind. You know, the left, they push stuff saying they're out there to support the small guy. And they come up with, you know, good slogans and they make it sound good. But in the reality, all they're doing is destroying the opportunity for small people to even get started exactly and they're making it easier for large corporations and big business and 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 they're making it easier for large corporations and big business to keep small business out yep it's horrible for our economy absolutely horrible all right since the economy come out with too big to fail Uh, yeah exactly right Totally, the right does that too. I'm totally backwards. Yeah, totally backwards. Since it's a Friday, and you know, we started off with this. Let's let's try something controversial that uh, maybe isn't quite so aggravating. So I I was thinking the whole trans thing. How how does I? I read somewhere yesterday that these these surgeries, the trans surgeries, that you know actually physically change these people. There's the bottom surgery and uh, all that. But I I saw a statistic somewhere between one and 500 of these are done a year. That's it. Now, to me, it sounds like a lot when I first hear it. Can't imagine that many people want to go through this. But in the big picture, that is minuscule. How has this become such a big issue when it's such a tiny, tiny part of the population. I don't get it. But here's my thought. That's another. So we went through this whole thing a while back about cultural appropriation. Remember that? We are not supposed to, like, use symbols from other cultures. I I always thought that would be like honoring a culture, isn't it? I I never understood that. Why imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. If somebody wants to nope. take on dress or behavior or mannerisms of a certain culture, it seems to me like that's honoring that culture. But the left said, no, that's misappropriating the culture. You can't do that. Well, isn't transgender just gender appropriation? That's kind of the way I see it. I, seems like yeah, that to me. Why is one or- horrible and the other one is being jammed down our throat? So for the, this came out, you know, ways after the Bud Light ordeal and the, the big misunderstanding or not misunderstanding out. Oh, anyway, I'll just go. This is I know thing. it's hard to talk about this even. L-J-U-B plus whatever <laughs> you want to talk about community. So when they survey, you know, and they got to come up with numbers somehow. So I don't know how the survey was done. There are only two approximately two million americans that support it that are all you know pro going to do whatever not necessarily part of it but at least support it 
I, I could believe it's that. Point zero 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 four percent of the population. Uh, unbelievable. Except I can believe that statistic. So, what I can't believe is how this has become such a big disruptive issue. That's that's what I'm getting to. It's, okay, I get it, and I don't care. I, mean, I, not, I don't either, really. I don't understand their their train of thought. I don't understand the movement, but it's you know, it, go do whatever you want to do. You know, that's legal, and there's certainly nothing illegal about it, right? Other than when we start having, you know, males, and it only seems to ever be males that want to use the women's bathroom. Or go to women's prisons. You know, when, it, when it's under eight, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, under eight, under the age of 18, that's, that's where I have an issue. Yes. But I don't get why corporations especially, you know, why they want to, I get why they want to be inclusive to it, to, you know, to advertise that, but at the expense of the other 99.996% of the population. I don't even understand why you would advertise to it. That makes no sense. No business does that. Advertising is outrageously expensive. You, everybody tries to work as hard as possible to target their real, true fan base, their loyal customers. Nobody goes out and spends this kind of money to reach such a tiny, tiny part of the population and piss off everybody else. Here's what I read about this. And it actually makes a little bit of sense because when you see crazy stuff like this, you have to follow the money. When you first looked at it, you go, well, you can't follow the money here because these companies are killing their bottom line right now. So it's not about the money, except it is because from what I've been reading, this is all being driven by the companies that finance these companies. Big banks, BlackRock, big hedge funds, they nope. control the money and they don't care if these companies, their bottom line goes down. They have an agenda. And from what I understand, they're the ones pushing this agenda, not the corporations themselves. They're just being threatened with, we'll pull your financing. You'll never get another big project finance. That actually makes some sense that that could be what's going on. Yeah, I, there's a book that explains a lot of that, and I don't even remember what it is right at the moment, but it, it's quite wild how, and that's a worldwide issue in the, they're, they're financing these corporations, you know, they'll boost them up in the stock market or, or play them down if they don't play. It, it's, I don't, I don't, I can't comprehend that either. It just blows my mind. Uh, exactly. So th- this is the first thing that I've read that kind of sort of makes some sense because nothing else about this makes sense at all to me. Well, maybe maybe in another year and a half when we have an election and things will take a swing a different direction for a while, but I, I certainly isn't going to change before that. No, and I'm certainly totally ignoring politics right now because really everything comes down to the election already. I, I just, that is so old already. This person's, you know, announcing it, this, this time it's the, it's going to be the Republicans with 37, you know, potential candidates in the beginning. Uh, and that's just a mess. Um, now we're 
there's this whole thing going on that they're the and this is the Democrats trying to push for this. They want to drop presidential debates. Yeah. Uh, uh, What? Well, how do we know anything about some of these people? And the average person is not going to go read on these politicians and their backgrounds and their voting. So debates are, are the best way we have of at least seeing what somebody believes, how they're going to govern. And, and, to say we're not going to do them anymore, it, it, between all the election crap that's going on, and now we're not going to debate. What this is supposed to be a government of the people, us. It, it is nothing like that anymore. It's a bunch of elites what, who now are just going to say, "Oh hell no, we're we're not going to debate. We're not going to tell you what we believe in. Just watch our political ads." <sighs> yeah, right. <laughs> In my opinion, the Democrats, especially with Donald Trump in the in the realm of possibilities again, the well, all three, but definitely the first debate between Trump and Biden. That's when Biden won. Well, that's when Trump lost. Yeah, right. I wouldn't say Biden won, but right. Is he just so over blatantly over talked everybody, and you know he was quite angry. I guess is the word way to describe how he acted in that first debate yeah he got better but i i think he lost a lot of americans and his attitude and 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 you know what that's what a debate should do that's what i want to see yeah that's exactly what i want to see that kind of stuff that's why we should have we should have more debates not less especially when we have these huge candidate pools on one side or the other we should have multiple debates to, you know, three or four people at a time in like a round robin thing. And yet the government wants to go the other way. Now, let's just let's just not do it. They just want to run the government without us, period. Oh, yeah. And that's why every move they make is to try to stack the deck in their favor so they don't have to have, you know, a true debate, you know, yeah. talking about the Supreme Court and adding another state just to get the yep. the senator count up to the democratic majority and yeah make dc a state make puerto rico a state yeah that, that it add you know pack the supreme court you're right all of those are designed to make it easier for them to stay in office forever um how's your call list i could bring up another subject if you want but if you got calls i'll let you move along uh I do, but we just dropped a couple for some reason. I had three, but uh, yeah, let's let's move on to another topic, and then I'll get to the next call. And we've okay. got some time. I mean, I got to watch my time today, but jump in and join us. It is a free for all. Go ahead. So financial stuff. Started listening to another podcast. I've seen their YouTube, but didn't realize they're a podcast too. So as a podcast, I can obviously yeah. watch or listen to a lot more of it. Uh, the Money Guy. And they're, well, they're neighbors. They're right there south of Nashville with Dave Ramsey. They've been okay. on Dave Ramsey's show. So a lot of the same principles, but they're, they run a wealth management program, the owners that, are, that run this. And I think the information they put out for people that are put off by how strict Dave Ramsey is, yeah, this would probably be a better fit. Okay. Um, buying a car. They got a 23-8 rule, 
which is minimum of 20% down, maximum of a three-year loan, and a maximum of all of your automobile payments. So if you know a household with multiple vehicles, all the payments can be no more than 8% of your take-home. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Yeah, they they just put a lot of these, you know, goofy rules in place that kind of keep you in check. Right, right. So you can't Uh, overbuy in a car. I would assume. One more on the car. Real quick, do they have a website with like calculators to help you with this stuff or an app? Uh, probably. I've never seen See, here, well, here, here's here's a place where I, I told you yesterday, and I asked you to go do it too if you have time. Um, I wanted you to try out the AI powered mint. You know the the yep. person, and actually, I found about six more of them already. But the one I talked about yesterday is probably the biggest, the most well put together right now from what I can tell. But this this is going to happen fast. Every financial app on the market is going to start using AI to analyze your data. It's a great use of it. Um, so this this is one of those places where AI can just look at all the data that gets pulled in automatically, know what your income is, and could just display what your total car payment should be right there. You wouldn't even have to think about it. Yeah. Well, so here's a simpler term. They end up with the same thing. Your automobile payments can definitely never be bigger than your monthly investment payment how much you're investing every month. Oh, so that that if we were to apply that today to the United States population, what is that, about a half a percent of people maybe? Yeah, the SUV and pickup market would crash in a heartbeat. Yeah, what are we up to, eight-year loans now on cars, I think? Um, I want to say I heard a 10-year. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, I I know eight. Uh, Yeah, it's and and the price of cars. I know we talked about inflation, but the price of cars really you can buy what used to seem like a fairly normal pickup truck. And and you can be talking about one hundred thousand dollars now. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's and they had another basically talking about luxury vehicles, which. To me, the price tag of a pickup truck today is a luxury vehicle. This is, you know, not a, a commuter vehicle for the for the normal people out there. I got a text message from Cole. He's the one who actually turned me on to the money guy. Oh, yeah. So a little shout out to him. Oh, good. He's a regular listener. Howdy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the luxury vehicle is, you know, if you can't afford it, you shouldn't buy it. You know, if you can't pay cash for it, then uh, that's a probably vehicle could not even fall into this formula. That's yeah, probably a good rule of thumb. If you're go- if you just really want to own a high end vehicle, you should be able to pay cash for it. Yep. And then um, it was the same thing, same formula on student loans. All of your student loans, by the time you walk out of school and walk into the workforce, the total should be no more than the average first-year salary in that job field. That's a good rule of thumb. I like that one. If if you're getting an education for a $40,000 a year job, you better not have more than $40,000 worth of student loans. When you finish, yeah. To me, that number is still ridiculous. Yeah, it's still high. $40,000 loan on a $40,000 
celery is that you're going to struggle. Yes. Yes, you are. And and then we're going to have political candidates who say this debt's going to crush everybody, so we better pay it off. I I made it very, very clear. That might be the one that pushes me right over the edge. I think uh, the majority of Americans made that pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one is just, that's a bridge too far for me. That one will just uh, really... Well, Three years they've been bragging, well, the Biden administration and his campaign, they've been talking about it for three years. They've been talking about longer than that, but very seriously for three years and how far have they gotten? Yeah, well, good. Still talking about it. I know. All right, Matt, I am going to move along. I've got some calls and uh, I want to make sure I don't run out of time here today. Bob in Kansas, you're up. Hey, I just, uh, it it seems like people in, people in their personal lives it seems like my life that people are around the people that you know not risk i guess not in business but in their personal life it almost seems like they're rewarded more than the people like a conservative person like myself who doesn't you know i have an, a 12 year old pickup and you see guys buying these hundred thousand dollar pickups and they and they are thought of being more successful than the guy with my, the paid off pickup. You know? my, and my, I don't, I don't understand why society. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we'll try to get to the understand part, but I was just going to jump in and say my personal vehicle is a 2007. Yeah. Mine's a 2012. Yeah. I've had it since it was new, but it's uh, been but, off for five so, years. So mine's a 2007 and I didn't buy it new. It was about 10 months old when I bought it, and I got a killer deal on it compared to a new one at the time. And it's just like new. It had about 8,000 miles on it. I have 140,000 on it now, um, but it's it's 15 years old, 16 years old now, 16 why, years old. And it's, it's fine. Well, I, I, I don't want to get rid of it. Why do people look at people like who drive these older vehicles and keep them nice for a longer period of time? And, and, you know, my neighbor who drives a brand new, he's, he's thought of, of successful or, and I know finances are, I don't understand why so many people think this is a, such a good idea and get rewarded for it. But I don't know. I mean, it just seems so, like that that's just the way our society is right now. So I don't even really take care of mine. I have never washed this vehicle. Not once. Actually, somebody borrowed it one time and washed it for me. It's silver for a reason because it never really needs washed. It doesn't really look all that dirty. Um, doesn't look like, you know, a new shiny car, but I could care less. Uh, I've only changed the oil six times. I've nothing. The only thing that has ever really broken on this car was the passenger seat belt retractor. Other than that, I've replaced two windshields, several batteries, tires a couple times, but those are all brakes. Those are all consumables. Those are just, you have to replace those things. It's been one of the best vehicles I've ever owned. Why would I get rid of this thing? Uh, never. I, I, would, right. I, I have a pickup that's the exact same way. I don't think I've, I've never put any free on in this vehicle. No, never I haven't have either. had air conditioner problems. No, me either. All I've ever done was just change the oil here and there and, you know, drive it decent and take care of it. Yeah, uh, I barely, and I barely take care of mine, really. 
yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I do not take super good care of mine either, but it's just such a reliable vehicle. It always starts. It's always there for me. And, uh, and I, I would never trade it for a new one. I don't think I'm going to keep that one for as long as I live. I think. Well, there's, there's, I'm not even there, entirely sure if I have ever put a set of brakes on it. To say the truth. Yeah, I, I, I did one just recently. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that each generation has spent more and more of their income on a vehicle. And I think it's a horrible idea. I think a lot of people have money problems because of it. They could have accomplished so much more if they just would have just put a little more effort into not spending so much on a car, not constantly going down and getting a new lease every time yours is up. I know a lot of people don't think this is going to happen and they don't like this idea because we, especially my generation, we are so tied to our vehicles, our cars, our pickup trucks, that kind of stuff. We grew up with that. We worked on them ourselves. Each new generation is less and less attached to their vehicles, but they're spending more and more on them. That's going to change. And, and I think this is a good part of autonomous technology and vehicles. I, I, you know, in trucking, it sucks. Um, my business would disappear if we only had autonomous trucks. So I hope we have a couple decades before that happens. In cars, I'd almost want to see it happen sooner. Detroit believes, and the automakers are very, very worried, that we are moving into a future where people won't own personal vehicles. That's hard to imagine. And and some will, of course. This is never 100% when we talk about things. So please don't call me or send me a text message and say, well, I'm keeping my classic car forever, so people are going to have cars. I know they will. But the majority of vehicle ownership is very likely to disappear, and we will just use kind of like ride-sharing stuff. When you want a car, you'll just open up your app and an autonomous vehicle will show up. Why would you own one? Why do we spend so much money on an item we use for a very short period of time every day? Yeah. Have you ever heard of this concept? I might have the numbers off, but like instead of buying like your high school students a car, like when they're graduating or whatever, you like a 20, say a $20,000 car, you put that in some, you know, in the stock market or a savings account. They said like by the time they're retirement age, they would have a million dollars. Well, let me, let, let me, yeah, but have you let, ever heard let, of, that? Uh, of course. And I could calculate this kind of stuff for you all day. I, I, I did a big promotion when I first started doing seminars for owner operators and I called it the million dollar idea. And you know what you had to be able to accomplish to put a million dollars in your retirement account by the time you quit as an owner operator. You only had to do one thing. And most people are really shocked what at it? what it is. Improve your fuel economy by one mile per gallon and invest all of the savings. And you could generate a million dollars before retirement. And I can prove it with the numbers. It's not It's not even a stretch. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, that, know, and going that's back all to, it takes. It, it, it seems like our government is trying to drive us into the shadows. Now, wait, 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 let me go back for a second. When you said that about okay. having a million dollars, you, you kind of said, and I understand why, but I want to clarify this so people aren't confused. You said, put it in the stock market or a savings account. Both answers are almost wrong. One answer is absolutely wrong. 
you're not going to put it in a savings account and end up with a million dollars. There's no no period in history that that could have occurred. I talked about, you know, the late 70s, early 80s, when we had 15% CDs. That only lasted a couple years. You know, this million-dollar idea I had is a 30-year. You have to improve your fuel mileage by one mile per gallon and invest the savings every year for 30 years. And you can come up with a million dollars, very close, depending on return rates of return in the market and fuel price and a bunch of other stuff. But a million dollars is easily achievable by that one change. You can't do it by when you say put it in the stock market. We have to be much more specific than that. You can't go out and buy, you know, Chick-fil-A stock because you love Chick-fil-A sandwiches. My model uses the S&P 500 index fund only. That's the only investment in the stock market. And I can show every 10 to 30 year period would return the kind of returns we need. We can look historically and I can prove it. That's about the The only the S&P 500 index fund is what I always use as the investment to show this. It would never be a savings account. That won't work. There's just not enough return on your money consistently year after year. We've just gone through, oh man, a couple of decades of really, really low interest rates on savings accounts. They've been in the basement for a long, long time. They're just now starting to what climb about out. CDs are just climbing up into the four or five percent range. So, no, that won't do it. And those aren't going to let la- that rate will not be around for 30 years. And that's the problem. We need a way that we know we can get consistent returns for 30 years. The S&P 500 does that. We can prove it. I can go back 80 years and show you it always worked. Okay. And just on the gender thing, I, I, why would, wouldn't BlackRock want their companies to make and generate as much profits as possible? You would think so, but let me explain why. It, it, it's, it's not that complicated. Yes, that would seem logical. These hedge funds have become so massive, trillions of dollars, that that they don't need more money right now. Their long-term plan is more control. They have plenty of money now. They don't need more. They can generate gobs and gobs of money if they want to. That that more money isn't going to get them where they want to be right now. They want control. And once they achieve that control, then then the, their revenue would be unlimited. Why in a free society would companies want this control? I mean, I, I, I kind of understand it, it, being, it being more powerful. I just... I just wonder why. I don't know. Why does the government but, want so much control over us and companies well, well, wait, that sell us their let, crap? Let's, let, let's, let's say this differently because it might might help us. I still don't understand it. it. This is companies and governments don't do things. People do. Why? Where? Who are these people? Why do they want so much control? What What makes a human being like that? I. I the last thing I want to do is control people. It's why I don't deal with any of our employees. I, that's just not me. I, I do what you want. I here here are the results I want. Go do the job, and if you get these results, everybody will be happy. I won't quite. It, it doesn't work most of the time, though. I do not make a good manager. Um, 
with employees at all because I don't like to control what people do. Is it just the nature of the people once they become rich and powerful, like you said, they have all the money they need. The only thing else they need is to be able to tell everybody else what to do. I I don't believe maybe it is. Maybe I just can't understand this because I can't or don't think this way. Um, I've said many times I, I had some pretty early business successes that I could have grown much bigger. And every time a business got to a certain point, I found a way to get rid of it. And I would start over. I don't like big business. I, I Again, it's more people to manage. I, I It gets to the point and I think I, I'm not happy anymore. I don't want to do this. So I will not do it just for more money. I've had that opportunity my whole life and, and I don't like it. So I, I don't know if it's the money that corrupts these people or not, because I, I, I just can't think that way. Is it the education they got as they were? Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. As colleges become more liberal and more, the, uh, and they and they breed out these children that become that may uh, be it. Yeah. executives in these corporations. Yeah, that, that, that's a really, that's a good speculation. Um, that could be it. And, and I, did, I barely had any education at all. I mean, I, you know, flew through high school barely um, under the radar. And I think they got rid of me just because they didn't want me back. So, yeah, maybe that is the difference then. Maybe they've been, and I, I, our system isn't education anymore. It's indoctrination. And and that could be it. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. Just was, and one reason I called you guys talked about the, the population, the depopulation of the world, basically. But I watched a documentary. It's called Birth Gap, I think. And this guy goes through, and he, he, I, I mean, it is amazing what's happening happening to like South countries like South Korea, oh yeah, and China, and yep. all and Europe and Italy. I mean, I am telling you what he, he has these maps, and they just show so, exactly how the population is absolutely collapsing. And I I, re- I remember watching the documentary about this guy's name is Paul Ehrlich in the 1970s. Oh, yeah. He went everywhere yeah. talking about the population boom, right? And that it was right. going to ruin the. And world. he was he was totally wrong about all of his predictions, completely wrong. Absolutely right. Yeah, and he yeah. used it like a stick. And now the world has heeded his advice. And now the so, population. It doesn't feel like it right now. There's something else going on with this. Where there's not a replacement generation, then what do we do? I mean, I just... So here's here's part of what is being called kind of the Great Reset, and it, it tries to explain all this weird stuff going on around the world. It's just not our country. Here's the other part of this that a lot of people have not made the connection yet. We are losing population in first world countries, not so much in third world countries. They still produce a lot of babies. But what is happening around the world? First world governments like the United States and a lot of countries in Europe are being overrun by third world immigrants and they're allowing it. Why are we allowing millions of immigrants from around the world flood across our southern border? If we go back to BlackRock and the big corporations, no, 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 no. Those people will be far easier to control. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's true. That's That's it right there. 
They want to change the population of the first world countries because they will control those countries easily at that point. If we have a bunch of immigrants, they're not going to threaten civil war. They're just going to listen to the government because the government's giving them the stuff they've never had in their life before. If they get jobs or just handouts and medical care and benefits and all this other stuff, they're not going to revolt. That's an improvement in their life. They'll be beholden to these governments. The people who are here now, like us, we we won't. We'll try to fight back against this kind of stuff. They're just they're just going to make sure we become the minority. And drive us out by yep. saying, yep. Hey, you know, Got to grab a final call, and then we got to get on to the next segment of our day here. Paul, howdy. Howdy. Um, I'll keep it short. If everyone follows Matt's advice about buying cars, I'll be out of business. So (laughs) keep signing up for those 84 months. Exactly. See, there's always a loser in these deals, you know? There's always winners and losers. Um, Yeah. I don't like being in the losing. Exactly. I don't either. and even though I am an immigrant, if there's a civil war, I know what side I'll be on. I won't be standing with the government. Absolutely. And many of yeah. our earlier immigrant classes, groups, believe that. It's the most recent wave of immigrants in the last 30 or 40 years that don't really have that same kind of loyalty. Yeah. Um, you know, Terrence talked yesterday about some of the crap you hear on the other channel yeah. um, with regards to health. Well, I was listening to some of that stuff and, you know, your name still comes up frequently over there on that channel. You get mentioned so yeah, when, I, it, when it comes to health. I, is it a good the, thing uh, usually? Yeah, because some people call in and they say, well, I'm doing the keto or the carnivore and I put salt on everything. <laughs> because the other day, oh no! Keep away from the keep away from the salt. You don't, that'll put your blood pressure. Oh my god! Yeah, and eat more fruit and vegetables and, uh, yeah. and all that crap. Oh yeah, calories in, calories out, all the usual crap. My God, I can't put. You know, eight years ago when we nine years ago when we started down this road, I kind of excused everybody else. I get it. I understand why you believe all that crap. I believed it. I promoted a lot of it. But at some point, yeah. you got to. And nine years ago, I didn't expect the average person to just stumble across keto carnivore. You should now. It's everywhere. If you are doing health and you yeah. haven't explored keto or carnivore, then shame on you. Well, my my neighbor, he was sort of eating the standard American diet. And then this is the one that's got the Jersey cows that I go help milk when oh, I'm yeah. home. And um, so he makes kefir and all this stuff. And, and he was he says, oh, I do a kefir smoothie every morning for breakfast. And he, he said, I'm putting fruit and berries and everything. Well, then he went to the to the doctor and his A1C, it was elevated. It, wasn't re- it was in the 6.8 or something, that range there. And um, she told him he had to cut out the sugar. So he's he's still doing the kefir, but he's not loading it up with fruit. And he's doing mostly carnivore. And he's lost a bunch of weight. I'll guarantee his A1C number is of course. pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but strange how things work. So It is. Yeah. 
All right. We're going to wrap this up today and uh, we're going to head on over to Twitter spaces. We should be live here at 915 Pacific time. If you're just listening on the app, you don't have to do anything different. Just listen to the live stream again in about 15 minutes and you'll hear Twitter spaces. I'll try not to make any operator errors today. Uh, I'm probably not going to go real long, but I will tell you, I'm looking forward to it. We, it, it's trucking technology and efficiency. Joel and Henry are joining me and also David counts from fleet air filter. Uh, here's what I plan on doing on the open. I, I'm going to give uh, a better intro to both Joe and Henry than they did themselves last week because they didn't really talk much about themselves. And I, I want people to understand, uh, the, the speakers we're going to bring in on Fridays, Jamie as well. He, I asked him to talk about himself and he didn't say much at all. So I'm going to brag on all of them today. Uh, so people understand how knowledgeable these people are and how much they can help. Um, and then I'm going to set up a conversation between Joel and David counts about engine architecture. I think David's going to have a lot of interesting take on this. Not so much from diesel engines, uh, but engine architecture on internal combustion engines is very similar in a lot of ways between diesel and gas. Um, David builds some incredible cars, and I want him to talk about that and then get this conversation going about engine architecture, and then we'll open it up for questions and and more comment from uh, the audience. So that's what we have on tap coming up in 13 minutes. We will see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.